Our next lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew's account of the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan by John the Baptist. From Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, let us continue to listen for the Word of God. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today on the liturgical calendar is uh, what is known as Baptism of the Lord. It is the Sunday that comes immediately after uh, the Feast of Epiphany, which if you remember from last week, uh, was this past week, Monday of this past week, January 6th, also called the 12th day of Christmas. But the first Sunday after this is a time to remember and celebrate the baptism of our Lord in the Jordan. And not only that, but our baptisms as well. Because with the baptism of Jesus, we find the inauguration of his ministry of three years. It begins at the conclusion of his baptism. I think that most of us fail to either understand or fully appreciate the significance of baptism, our Lord's baptism or our baptism. I read a little story, uh, as sad as it is humorous, about a minister who was approaching a young father who had scheduled uh, one of their children to be baptized, and he went up to him and he says, are you aware of how, what a serious event this is? Are you really prepared for it? He said, oh yeah, we're prepared. My wife made all the appetizers yesterday. We have uh, caterers who are coming right after church to bring the main ingredients. He said, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I, I'm thinking spirit, spiritually, are you prepared? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got a keg of beer and a case of whiskey we're going to have with <laughs> That is somewhat funny, but somewhat sad. I think that some people don't have any full appreciation of exactly how serious and transformational baptism is. It's always been that. Uh, the baptism of Jesus was certainly a strange and mysterious event when you think about it. It took place on the fringes of a often forgotten Roman province, way out in the wilderness in the desert. There was this crazy, fiery, hell and brimstone preacher named John the Baptist who wore camel's hair and not a camel's hair jacket, but camel's hair, real camel's hair, and uh, ate locusts, bizarre, and then there's this upcountry rabbi, just fresh out of the carpenter shop, come for the intentional purpose of being baptized by John. Why did this matter? Why did it matter? Didn't matter to a lot of people, didn't matter to King Herod, didn't matter to Pontius Pilate, the governor. 
didn't matter, didn't mean a thing to uh, Tiberius Caesar back in Rome, didn't even know about it, I'm sure. This was an event that wasn't covered by any of the press at the time, if there had been press, wasn't written about in the histories of the church or the histories, the secular history. Even Josephus, who mentions Jesus as a part of his history, doesn't mention anything about the baptism. The religious leaders at the time didn't think much of it. I doubt it was discussed over lunch in homes at the time. So why did his baptism really matter? It mattered because it was an epiphany for Jesus. It was a divine confirmation of who he was and what he was called to be and to do. All that took place during this baptism by John in the Jordan. The Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. He is seeing this. No one else is seeing it. No one else is hearing the voice. It's a private thing for Jesus. The voice he hears is speaking to him personally. Now Matthew in his version says it's almost like an announcement. This is my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But Mark's original account of this says you are my son in whom I am well pleased. So it's a direct message to Jesus and we're told that it's Jesus who sees it's two parts two parts of this epiphany one is a vision and this vision is of the heavens being violently ripped apart the Greek makes it clear it's a demonstrable thing the heavens are ripped apart the dove descends and lights on his shoulder he sees that and most of the gospel writers I think are trying to say that this is the spirit embracing Jesus in his ministry which is about to begin because the Spirit's going to lead him into the wilderness or drive him into the wilderness immediately after that then when he comes out from the wilderness in the 40 days of tempting he begins his ministry in Galilee it is there in the waters of baptism that Jesus realized his full identity as the beloved son of God and his calling to be the suffering servant Messiah and the king that was awaited. Because the voice is quoting two things. I think I preached or mentioned this last year about this time. But the voice he hears is quoting from two scriptures. One is a royal psalm that would have been read whenever a king of Israel was inaugurated. And the other voice is one of the suffering servant passages from Isaiah. Identifying that the Messiah is going to be this suffering servant and not at all what the people were expecting at the time. They wanted a military warrior, a ruler that would come in and drive out the Romans and reestablish the land of Israel as it had been under the reign of King David. So this is a terribly influential and defining event in the life of Jesus because it deals with his identity and with his mission and work. And this brings me to our baptism. Does it really matter? And why does it matter? Yours and mine. Because baptism is supposed to mean for us the same thing it meant for Jesus. Our baptism defines us, identifies us, and reminds us of the work we're called to do as children of God, children of the covenant, sons and daughters of the living God. In baptism, we are named and claimed. In baptism, we are identified. 
And in baptism, God's Spirit comes to dwell within us and hopefully to work through us. I wonder what your baptism says to you this morning, depending on what's going on in your life. You may think that there's something far more important than your baptism this morning. Maybe you have a health concern. Maybe something is going on in your family. Maybe you're concerned about your work or the future. Maybe you're worried about this nation and this world. And you may be tempted to think that that's the most important thing you have to think about right now. No. The most important thing you need to remember and dare not forget is that you are baptized. You're a child of God. A child of the covenant. It was for you that Jesus died. And Jesus is claiming you to be his own through this sacrament. Jesus realized that he was in the care of the one who not only created the world but was governing the world. How often do we remind ourselves of that? That our God has not only claimed us and named us at our baptism, but our God is the one who genuinely cares about us, whose love will never leave us, and who dares to use us in his service. Ours is the God who can take even agony and pain and transform them into ultimate victory as he did with his own beloved son. So you're baptized, I'm baptized, and we can be assured, therefore, no matter what's going on in any other area of our lives, that the Lord is still with us, the Lord still cares, the Lord still plans to use us in some way. This is a wonderfully comforting message. It tells us we need not despair no matter what's going on. We can be concerned about these things, and rightfully so. The nation, the world, our families, our work, all of that's not unimportant, but it's not of primary significance. The ultimately important thing is that we belong to God. God has already put his mark on us, and we are his. Now, we can accept that and live into that, or we can dismiss it as if it really doesn't matter. But I assure you, it does. You and I are the children of God. I can't tell you since the death of our youngest child last year what a comfort it's been to me to remember that our David was baptized. As much as I loved him, there was another father who loved him even more. My love is but a faint reflection of the love he received from his heavenly father and receives still. I think of that often. It helps me in my grief. Flannery O'Connor wrote this story called The River. She tells about a babysitter of a young boy who was neglected and uh, dismissed by his parents who seemed to be unconcerned about him. And so she took him down to the river for a baptismal service and had the child baptized without the parental approval. And when the boy came out of the water, the preacher said, you count now. You count now. Now, of course, we believe that that child counted with God even before the baptism, but the baptism celebrated it, marked it, and hopefully that child and others around would realize the importance of this occasion. And this reminds me of <clears throat> one of my favorite stories. I don't know if I've used it in a sermon, 
I've used it in a lot of sermons over the years. It's one that's so powerfully uh, affected me. If you're familiar with Fred Craddock, who taught preaching at Candler Seminary in Atlanta, he has uh, a book. He did a lot of writing, but one of his books is called Craddock Stories. And I'd like to read you the last story in this book. If I can put my eyes on. Nettie and I, Nettie's his wife, Nettie and I had returned from Oklahoma to one of our favorite vacation spots, the Great Smoky Mountains. We were at dinner, at dinner in a restaurant out from Gatlinburg near the small community of Cosby. We were in a rather new restaurant called the Black Bear Inn. It was very attractive and had an excellent view of the mountains. Early in the meal, an elderly man approached our table and said, good evening, and I said, good evening. He said, are you on vacation? I said, yes, but under my breath I was saying, it's really none of your business. <laughs> Where are you from, he asks. We're from Oklahoma. What do you do in Oklahoma? Under my breath, almost audible, I was saying, leave us alone. We're here on vacation. We don't know who you are. But I said, I'm a Christian minister. He said, what church? I said, the Christian church. He paused a moment and said, I owe a great deal to a minister of the Christian church. And he pulled out a chair and sat down. I said, yes, have a seat. <laughs> I tried to make it seem like I sincerely meant it, but I didn't. Who is this person? He said, I grew up in these mountains. My mother was not married, and the whole community knew it. I was what was called an illegitimate child. In those days, that was a shame, and I was ashamed. The reproach that fell on her, of course, fell on me too. When I went into town with her, I could see people staring at me, making guesses as to who was my father. At school, the children said ugly things to me, and so I stayed to myself during recess, and I ate my lunch alone. In my early teens, I started to attend a little church back in the mountains called Laurel Springs Christian Church. It had a minister who was both attractive and frightening, he had a chiseled face and a heavy beard and a deep voice. I went to hear him preach. I don't know exactly why, but it did something for me. However, I was afraid that I was not welcome since I was, as they put it, a bastard. So I would go just in time for the sermon, and when it was over, I would move out quickly, afraid that someone would say, what's a boy like you doing here in church? One Sunday, some people queued up in the aisle before I could get out and I was stopped. Before I could make my way through the group, I felt a hand on my shoulder, a heavy hand. It was that minister. I cut my eyes around and caught a glimpse of his beard and his chin. I knew who it was, and I trembled in fear. He turned his face around so that he could see mine, and he seemed to be staring at it for a little while. I knew what he was doing. I knew he was going to make a guess as to who my father was. A moment later, he said, Well, boy, you're a child of, and he paused there, and I knew it was coming. I knew that I would have my feelings hurt. I knew I would not go back there again. He said, boy, you are a child of God. I see a striking resemblance, boy. Then he swatted me on the bottom, and he said, now you go claim your inheritance. I left the building a different person. In fact, that was the beginning of my life. I was so moved by his story that I asked him, what's your name? 
and he said, Ben Hooper. And I recall, though vaguely, how when I was younger, my parent told me how the state of Tennessee had once elected a governor by the name of Ben Hooper. Who are you? Who defines who or what you are? The world will do it if we let them because they will define us as voters or consumers or producers, members of this political party or that one, graduates of this university or that one, members of this congregation or that one. But that's not ultimately who we are. Ultimately, we are the children of God who in the waters of baptism have been claimed and named and that matters as much if not more than anything else about us. I'm reminded of another story. Some of you may know this. Uh, I told it in South Carolina but it seemed to be new to people when I told it there. But it has to do with a little college here in North Carolina, Belmont Abbey. A little Catholic school over in Belmont, North Carolina. Years ago, the monks there at the abbey found this large granite stone on the outer fringes of the property. The property that had once been a large southern plantation. And it was this granite stone on which African men and women and children were auctioned off and sold into slavery. What the monks did was they took that large granite stone, they hollowed out a bowl in it and brought it into the chapel for the baptismal font. And this is what they had engraved on it. Upon this rock, men were once sold into slavery. Now upon this rock, through the waters of baptism, men become the free children of God. That is why your baptism and mine matter. It's why Jesus' baptism matters. It's the most important thing about us, whether we realize it or not. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we praise you for claiming us in the waters of baptism. Give us the grace to accept your acceptance of us and to live as your redeemed children, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.